Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osman, here with my friend, Chavruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachat Ta'anit, daf tech, page nine. So I first wanted to start off with the second piece of the Rish Lakish uh, episode that I was talking about yesterday. And on today's daf, there's um, an encounter between Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish's son, who, remember, is actually Rabbi Yochanan's nephew, right? Ashkechei Rabbi Yochanan Linuka de Rish Lakish. Rabbi Yochanan meant the young son of Rish Lakish. And the first story is they have a discussion about what the meaning of the pasuk of um, Aser to Aser is, and they have a whole exchange about that. Um, and then they have a second exchange, right, another time they met each other, and Rabbi Yochanan sees him learning, right? And he's learning the following pasuk, right, the foolishness, uh, or the like wrongdoing of a man uh, perverts his way, brings him punishment. But Al Hashem Yizaf Libo, but his heart, um, uh, but his heart frets against Hashem. That in other words, a person sometimes blames Hashem uh, for bad things when they happen to, to themselves instead of maybe looking at it and saying like, what actions did they do that caused something bad to happen? And this is a pasuk from Mishlei, chapter nineteen, verse three. So Rabbi Yochanan poses the following question to his nephew. So Rabbi Yochanan sits and ponders. And he says, So he says, is there anything that's written in writings, meaning a ketubim, the the third section of Tanakh, that's not written in the Torah section of Tanakh, right? So that's what he's saying. So he's basically trying to ask his nephew, can you find a pasuk in the first five books of the Torah that allude to this pasuk. Amarle, the boy says to him, Atu hamilo rimze. He says, is this pasuk in Mishlei not alluded to in the Torah? The hakativ, and now he quotes a pasuk from Genesis chapter 42, verse 28. So this is the pasuk that's talking about the reaction Yosef's brothers had when they found out that the money that they had used to buy food, right, to buy wheat, was actually put back into their bags. And they start to freak out a little bit because they realize something a little funny is happening here. What does the pasuk say? They were, sorry, right? Their hearts sank. They were afraid, saying one to another, What is it that God has done to us? So the reason why he says, the nephew says, this pasuk is a remez is because this is an example when somebody does something wrong and yet, at the same time, they blamed God for it. Rabbi Yochanan lifted his eyelids. So supposedly, Rabbi Yochanan will, uh, had sort of one unibrow. So he sort of like lifts his eyelid up. And he looks at him. He looks at his nephew. The son, the boy's mother, his sister, comes out, takes her son away. She says to her son, Go away from Rabbi Yochanan. Uh, lest he does to you what he did to your father. So this is an allusion to the second part of that Gemara in Baba Metzia, which we'll get to, God willing, which tells the whole story of Reish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan, that Reish Lakish said something to Rabbi Yochanan that sort of gave the impression that maybe he wasn't appreciative of the fact that Rabbi Yochanan was the one who led him to a life of Torah. Rabbi Yochanan sort of shot him a look. Reish Lakish gets so despondent that Rabbi Yochanan's upset with him that he actually dies. And so here we see the mother of this boy, right? His sister, Rabbi Yochanan's sister, Reish Lakish's wife and, and the mother of this child basically say, 
you know, I don't really want to be you to be around Rabbi Yochanan. He gave you a very weird look and maybe something's going to happen to you like what happened to your father. So this sort of just concludes part of our who's who of Rachel Lekish. We'll obviously talk about it more when we get to that Gemara and Baba Metzia. But I just wanted to sort of uh, conclude that because we just had two deaths that had some really good information uh, about Rachel Lekish in general. So, Anne, before I move on, anything you <coughs> want to add about that? Nope, nope. Well, I'm going to, when I get to my part, I'm going to still be talking about Rabbi Yochanan and Rachel Lekish, meaning we still have them as people who say lots and lots of things in the Gemara, even if we're no longer focusing on their bio- their own biographies. Right, yes. So uh, you'll, you'll talk a little bit about what they talk about on this staff. The only other thing I want to mention here on this staff is uh, there's this nice source here of this Brisa that talks about the three, about Avraham, uh, sorry, about Moshe, Aharon, and Miriam. And it says the uh, the following here, Meitbe, right? They're in the middle of an objection here about Rabbi, a statement that Rabbi Yochanan made Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, Mayor Rabbi Yossi, the son of Rabbi Yehuda, says, Shlosha Parnasim Tovim Amduli Yisrael. Three excellent leaders uh, arose for Israel. Elohain, Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam. Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam. The Gimel Matanot Tovot Nitnu Al Yadam. And there were three gifts that were given to them. The Elohain, Be'ervanan, Uman. And they were the well, right? The Anan that sort of uh, protected B'nai Israel and also told them when they were going to move or not move. And the man itself, right? Be'er b'zuchut Miriam. The be'er was in the zuchut to Miriam. Amud anam b'zuchut Aaron. The cloud was in the merit of Aaron. Man b'zuchut Moshe. And man was in the zuchut to Moshe. Meita Miriam is be'er. So when Miriam dies, the the well leaves. And how do we know that? So here they quote Sukim uh, from Devarim chapter uh, chapter twenty verse one. But Tamatcha Miriam. Miriam dies. Ugeti batre. And then right afterwards, it says, below Hayam Miriam, Mayim La'ida. There was no water uh, for them to drink. So the idea is, is that, you know, as soon as she dies, the water leaves and then they didn't have water, right? But eventually the well, the well returns because of the Zechut emotion Aaron. Made Aaron Nistalek Ananea Kavod. When Aaron dies, these clouds of glory disappear, Shinamar. And here they quote a pasuk, from uh, it's the next parak in in Bamidbar chapter twenty one uh, verse one right where it says um, uh, where it says in Amar by Yishma Haknani Melach Arad right the Canaanite king of Arad heard right Mashamua what did he hear right Shama Shemet Aaron he heard that Aaron died the Nistalkulan and Nehakavod and the clouds of glory had disappeared. Because Savor Once those clouds weren't there, he thought, oh, okay, now he can attack the Israel, right? And this also is related to the Pasuk in uh, also in, in Bamidbar in chapter 20, verse 29, right? Because right before that it says that Aharon actually passed away. Um, and so, you know, so there's I'm gonna skip the little next part here. Right, Moshe. The well and the cloud both get returned because of the zchut to Moshe. Mate Moshe But once Moshe dies, all of these things—the be'er, the Ananea kavod, and the man—all disappear. Shenemar. Now here they quote a pasuk in Zechariah, chapter eleven, verse eight. So it's interesting that they're not taking something from the five books or like from the actual uh, text where it talks about Moshe dying. They're taking something from. Nevi'im, right? And what does the uh, Pasuk say there? 
And I, meaning God, removed the three shepherds. What are the three shepherds? Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam in one month, right? So then the price that says, wait, they didn't die in the same month. Miriam died in Nisan. Aaron died in Av. Moshe dies in Adar. It's rather that they learned that the three gifts that were bestowed to Israel was because of that, because of them were all taken, you know, were taken away. They all disappear in the same month. And what month is that? That is the month that, that Aaron died. So I just wanted to read this because this is a pretty famous brisa, uh, this idea of sort of the three gifts. I also want to point out that I think very often we talk about the leader being sort of like Moshe and Aaron. And in this price, so really Miriam is given her due and is treated sort of equally um, as one of those primary leaders um, of B'nai Israel. And, and I don't think we often speak about it that way. I think we often really more talk about Moshe and Aaron together. And I, I think we need to rethink that, that this price is really, you know, putting the three of them on equal footing. I think that is very interesting. <clears throat> I think there are times that we see I mean, Moshe is never really quite on equal footing, right? But I do think there are other times when we see Aaron and Miriam together, particularly when we come like to those parshiot and say for Bamidbar. But I think you're completely right that it's not the way they're generally treated in the Rishonim in Chazal, as we have here. I mean, Rishonim are after Chazal, obviously. But okay, I want to come back to Ta'anit, meaning we're going to come back to the rainfall. Um, Earlier on the daf, from what I'm going to read, we have a discussion of Rabbi, where Rabbi Yochanan points out the rain can fall for the sake of an individual. And on Amabet, where at the top, we have Reish Lakish kind of joining in this comment. Reish Lakish also says, maintains, that rain can fall because of one individual. How does Reish Lakish know that it's also for a Yachid, that the rain will come for one individual? Because we've got a verse from Zechariah that says, ask Hashem for rain at the time of the Malkosh, at the time of, we've talked about what this Malkosh last rain is at the end of, or at the in Nisan, at the end of the rainy season. Hashem says God will, who makes thunderclouds will give them showers of rain for a person in the field for a man it says each who is a field in the field who is a, um who is grass in the field I might have thought that the rain is falling really only for everybody for the sake of everybody so this sentence this verse in the in the Zechariah where it says specifically ish teaches even for the one individual could you think that um, just as it falls for one man, you might think that it's for all the people in all the fields, all, you know, that it's not, that it's representative of everybody. Talmud Bamar Sadeh, it says one singular Sadeh, well, could we think that that means the entire field and that's still going to be everybody? Talmud Bamar Esav, so then it says grass, meaning it's just one blade of grass in the whole field. And then we have a, a story about Rav, D- Rav Daniel Barkatina. He had Rav Daniel Barkatina. Ginta. He had a garden. He would go to the garden and he would inspect it. Amar Ha Meshra Bai Maya. 
And he would say this plant or this uh, flower bed, whatever, needs water. And this one does not need water. And then he would, then the rain would come down, meaning from the heavens, and water exactly where uh, he said it was required and not where it wasn't, right? Which is a pretty good trick. Okay, so that's that's um, the idea that an individual can direct the rainfall, that it can come down speci- specifically for the individual. And then, my Hashem so the Gemara goes back to that Pesach from Zechariah and says, what does it mean, the God who makes thunderclouds? Meaning, what are the thunderclouds really? We know scientifically that thunder has thunderclouds have a lot to do with rain. But what does it mean that we're talking about God who makes thunderclouds in this context? So says, this teaches that every tzaddik, every righteous person um, is is um, merits to have a separate, distinct thundercloud for that person. That God makes a special thundercloud for each person. My chazizim. So then, what do we have plural here? If we're talking about the individual, I'm Rav Yehuda Porchot. So Rav Yehuda says we're talking about flying clouds. Now, what exactly are flying clouds? Well, you have to have. This is a, now. This does get into the science of it, right? For clouds to have enough, I don't know what moisture, I guess, to produce rain, they have to have a certain amount of heft, right? So then you have these towering clouds. And those are, I mean, if you know clouds, you know this is called cumulonimbus. And they produce the thunderstorms and the heavy downpours. Now, <clears throat> when I was in, I think, junior high, there was a segment of the science class that dis- that actually focused on each of these, the different kinds of clouds, you know, cirrus and strata and cumulonimbus and so on. So I'm sure one of our co-learners here knows these clouds much better than we do. The science is not precise in the time of the Gemara, but the fact that they can identify rain clouds is not surprising. We too can identify rain clouds. The interesting thing here is that the idea that there's a separate rain cloud for each and every tzaddik who is able, who has the merit to call out uh, the for the rain to come for the merit of that one individual. I'm Rabbi Yehuda Porchot, so that's the flying clouds. I'm Rabbi Yochanan Siman Lumatar Porchot. So Rabbi Yochanan says, well, what it really is, is a sign of the rain that is coming, meaning that those kinds of clouds tell you in advance that there is rain coming. And that is true because those are rain clouds, right? Amr of Papa, Eva Kalisha Tote Eva Simichta. So what, the Gemara asks, what exactly are these flying clouds? Rav Papa says it's a thin cloud under a thick cloud. Now this, again, is what does it appear to be? And it happens to be that today was a rainy day in Jerusalem, finally, finally. And it, when at some point we looked at the window and we saw, indeed, it looks like there's a thin cloud under a thick cloud. And so I say, here, Yordana, we've got a, one of your um, Nisei Nistar because it, it lines up so so very perfectly. And then we have, just lastly here, we have Rabbi Yehuda talking about another sign of rain that's about to come, right? Imminent rain. So you've got drizzle before rain. It tells you that rain is coming. I mean, the drizzle is just the beginning of the storm. But Mitra, Pasik Mitra. And then if you have drizzle that falls after the rain, then that's going to tell you that the rain is stopping, meaning the the diminution of the volume of rain, I guess, is clear as a sign of either it's starting up or it's tapering off. Mitra, Ati Mitra, Maholta. So if you've got drizzle before rain, it means your rain is coming. And then you can remember it like, the same way that 
He says uh, it's like a sieve, like a sifter, right? That in the same way that a little bit of flour will drop from the sieve at the very beginning before you actively begin to sift it hard, so too you'll get drizzle before the big rain. And the Manam, the mnemonic for remembering that you'll have drizzle after the rain for the rain stopping is um we'll call it goat dung right that the idea is that there is a a tapering off in the size of the dung from the goat and i'm puzzled here to say why is it necessary to have a, a mnemonic to remind you that you might have drizzle before and after the the heavier rain when our experience of rain involves very often drizzle before or drizzle after, you know, in conjunction with the heavier rain. So I, that's an open question, but I think it's certainly picturesque or not even so pleasantly picturesque, the idea that the Gemara has these mnemonics. What's interesting about this passage you read, Anne, is that there seems to be sort of this going back and forth between sort of the supernatural pieces of rain, right? The fact that we say that it could be for Yachid, not just for Rabbim. And then at the same time, the Gemara is sort of trying to describe, based on Psukim, sort of the natural way that rain works, right? What do the clouds look like? The drizzle before the rain. So I, I, I'm still trying to work out in my set, in my own head, you know, what's exactly happening in this Masachet, but it seems to be that there's sort of a mixing of the two, that there's something supernaturally natural about rain, um, and I think what you read really shows that, right? Like it wants to show us the, the Chazal really want to discuss the miracle of rain, but yet at the same time want to sort of observe and say like, well, these are the things you could see in nature that will tell you something about the rain that's coming or how the rain's going to come. Is it going to be abundant or things like that? Well, that's our DAF discussion for the day. Rankus Reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAF on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.